Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I'm actually kind of on a mini holiday vacation. I, uh, from modeling gigs. If somebody calls me to model, I might say yes. Uh, but I'm basically kind of on vacation right now. I think till the 28th of December, so I'm gonna take a break and I'm just maybe gonna book a flight <clears throat> to visit my friend in England in the spring with Thomas Cook Airlines. They're the ones that have a good deal, but they have extra fees, so I need to call and make sure. But I was just uh, uh, remembering that when I was in England, in the movie theaters, they have uh, special features for autistic people where they dim the lights and they make things quieter, or they let them go in a special room, I think, autistic people. Also, grocery stores sometimes will dim the lights and turn the music off at certain grocery stores at certain hours. And in England... They have national health care for all citizens built in uh, to the tax scheme. No big medical bills, hardly any paperwork. And they also allow cashiers to sit when they are ringing people up for their like long grocery store shifts. As cashiers, they sit and uh, in the, let's see, what is it, Sansbury's, Tesco, Grocery stores in England, like Sainsbury's, Tesco, and Morrison's, those are the stores I've been to in England. <clears throat> and uh, my friend in England who lives near, in St. Helens, which is kind of near Liverpool and Manchester, uh, he says most grocery stores actually do that. Maybe some of the other stores don't, and cashiers have to stand for long hours. But in England, they allow people to sit. And I guess a cashier could stand if they wanted to, but generally speaking, all of the cashiers I saw were sitting in a chair, so they looked more comfortable than people who stand. In the United States, pretty much every grocery store I've ever been to, the cashiers are standing for their entire shift, for the whole long shift. So it's just a different attitude. I also know that it, when I go to England, uh, uh, bus drivers will give you change. Uh, in the United States, you have to have exact change. I don't even really ride the bus anymore, but for 26 years I rode the bus and commuted with my bicycle, and I didn't have a car. And now I have a car, and I don't miss the bus at all. Although I'm glad that public transportation exists, but you have to have exact change. So if you only have a $5 bill, then you have to pay $5 to take the bus, even though it's like 250 or 350 or I don't know how much it costs anymore. But there's just differences in different countries, and... Um, I went to Norway and visited a friend. I like to compare how things are done in different countries. I wish that we had uh, single-payer health care in the United States that would cost less than what we already have if we eliminated profit from the so-called marketplace. Um, it kind of really drives me nuts that they consider health care like a for-profit business in the United States of America. I'm low income enough so that I qualify for what's called Apple Care here in Washington State. So my health care is mostly free for me for basic um, dental, eye uh, therapy services, and basic checkups at the doctor and basic blood tests. If I ever need major surgery, I'm not really sure how much it would cost, but it would be a lot less than out of pocket. Um, the medical system here in the United States is really messed up. So we need to be more socialized. <clears throat> Even movie theater ticket prices are better. And my friend in England says that his local movie theater, there's free parking. Now that is unheard of. In the United States, 
I don't think there's any free parking in any movie theater. Most movie theaters actually here are like in shopping malls, and there's no free parking. So that's also a different thing. It's more socialized, better mass transit, better health care, better prices on college tuition, etc. So democratic socialism in some ways is a lot better for citizens in terms of how much things cost. Even his internet, my friend in England, his cell phone, his mobile phone, and his internet, high-speed internet at his house, costs less than what I pay, like at least 20 or 30% less, and he gets more. He gets higher-speed internet. In the United States, we already have um, not that great internet in terms of speed, in terms of prices. So it's kind of absurd and ridiculous. And Americans think they're cutting edge, but we're actually kind of in, you know, like in the dark ages in some ways. So just visit another country and see what I mean. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle. And I wanted to say something about my nutrition. Both my cat and I are on a special diet in terms of our nutrition. Um, I feed my cat for about a year now. I have fed him a raw meat diet, which means I go to the natural health food pet store. And I might also start making my own because now I kind of know how. I have to make sure he likes it, though. Um, but at the pet food store, they sell natural frozen raw meat that is actually muscle meat that's ground up with organ meat. So muscle meat mixed with heart and liver and bones and or eggshells. And then they grind up with some facillin husks and some salmon oil. And there's taurine naturally in the organ meats, the um, heart and liver. Uh, I know heart has taurine. I don't know if liver does, but they basically have different vitamins and minerals in the organ meat. If you just feed a cat muscle meat, then they're deprived of certain vitamins and minerals and they can become ill. So I make sure to get him the kind that is fortified uh, and I don't give him any dry food. I do have um, freeze-dried. I have a, a a feeder that goes off every two hours when I set it when I'm gone and it's like freeze-dried raw uh, salmon, chicken, lamb, different meats, and the frozen meat that I feed my cat. I also give him raw goat milk, which is good for him. And I drink a little raw goat milk here and there. Uh, I feed him venison, pork, chicken, turkey, beef, lamb, rabbit. He loves rabbit. And I feel sad for the animals being slaughtered for our consumption, but uh, I generally don't eat a lot of meat myself personally. I am on a wheat-free diet and mostly grain-free and I am eating raw garlic, I am eating probiotics, I am eating kombucha, I am eating raw cheese, uh, fermented and fermented yogurts with no sugar added, and try to get unpasteurized or unhomogenized. It's hard to find raw milk yogurt in Seattle, but I do find raw cheese that's from France and Switzerland, and I get it uh, at Costco because it's a good deal. So I eat a lot of raw, organic, natural-type foods, and I eat... My cat basically is thriving, and I might make my own raw meat cat food for him, which is in a blender, I'm going to grind up muscle meat with organ meat with some bones. I have to be careful. I don't want to hurt my blender, but I have a really, really fancy blender that my dad got me for my birthday, and it's really fancy, so I'm hoping it can grind bones, but i got to make sure first. I might grind them up in my cheaper blender first, 
and then put them in my fancy blender so that I don't dull the blades too much in my fancy blender. So uh, my old blender is, is on, it's starting to die anyway. But basically, if you eat organic, natural foods, uh, you will be healthier. I think that our gut biome has been really screwed up and mental health actually is improved. If you improve your gut health. I'm off all of my, I was on Wellbutrin basically for anxiety and depression and I, I tapered off very slowly and gradually and I'm taking an herb called ashwagandha and I eat a lot of probiotics and fermented foods like sauerkraut, etc. I might try natto, which is a, a fermented soybean, uh, Japanese food. Basically good bacteria because there's so many, uh, antibiotics and antibacterial things in our food sources with all of the antibiotics fed to animals and all the weird pesticides that we use in our farming practices. So basically eating uh, good bacteria really helps keep the balance of your gut biome and it's good for your mental and physical health. Uh, there's serotonin that's created and neurotransmitters created in your gut that transfers to your brain. So the healthier your gut bacteria is in terms of the balance of the good and bad bacteria, because all of us have a lot of bacteria in our bodies at all times, as long as it's mostly the good kind, we're fine, but we get sick if there's too much of the bad bacteria. And the good bacteria helps, the bad bacteria helps fight against the bad bacteria. So when we use antibiotics, we kill all of the bacteria, the good and the bad. It's good to get rid of the bad bacteria, but when we don't have any good bacteria, then we're actually even weaker. So if you take antibiotics or eat food that has antibiotics in it, it's important to replenish your body with probiotics and fermented foods to keep the balance. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring in Seattle, USA, and I'm feeling really kind of weird right now. I'm in a weird mood, and um, I'm doing fine financially. Um, I have multiple jobs as a freelance full-time art model and medical model. I'm sitting here with my cat near my space heater. It's kind of cold here in Seattle. Um, I'm really glad that I live alone. I'm dating a nice guy who I've dated for about three years, but we're very, very different. I don't think we're compatible enough to ever live together, but I have a feeling that I would never want to live with a guy anyway. I've lived with a couple different boyfriends. I'm an only child, and I've lived with a couple different boyfriends, and to be honest, I didn't really like living with another person. I really like living by myself, and I'm an only child. Maybe that's part of it. I'm kind of an introvert, and yet I like to share online. So I'm feeling a little stressed out. I have a friend that invited me to stay with him in England. He lives near Liverpool in a place called St. Helens. It's also near Manchester, England, and I'm probably going to go there in the spring uh, on Thomas Cook Airlines, um, but they have like a like a price that's a good price, but they say they can add fuel charges, and so I'm confused about that. I've never bought an airline ticket that wasn't a solid price, so I'm going to call their 800 number and ask them what the deal is on that, because I'm afraid to click the button to buy the ticket. And I forgot what else I was going to say. I'm just sitting here with my cat and debating about what I'm going to do today because I have several days off, which most people would be excited about, but instead I'm kind of dreading it. <laughs> I like to work. I like to have a schedule. I like to, I like it when other people need me, I guess. I don't have any kids. I don't have a husband. I just live by myself with my cat, which I mostly like. 
but I like having a more, more of a sense of purpose. And this makes me think of something Tom Petty said about how he always liked to work and have a purpose, and he didn't really like taking a lot of time off. But now he passed away, so his friends and family were wanting him to get more rest, and now he's resting forever. May Tom Petty rest in peace. He's one of my favorite songwriters, uh, singer, songwriter, performers. I love his voice. I love his songs. So many different songs over 40-year 40-year career span, more than 40 years, really. He was 66 when he died a few months ago. Rest in peace, Tom Petty. And Tori Amos is still with us. I love Tori Amos. So I'm just sitting here with my thoughts just being scattered. I have all these library uh, videos. I need to return to the library. And I'm feeling really scattered, and I need to do my next radio show podcast. And somebody wants to hear my Anchor recordings on Anchor into a long podcast. I take these short clips and I string them all together and put them on my Apple iTunes Life of Shannon Kringen podcast. I am remarking on how I survive in the expensive city of Seattle, USA, where there's no rent control. I have a special deal, a special voucher on my rent, which means my rent is only a third of my income guaranteed. I'm really grateful for that. And I volunteer at a wildlife place and I make a full-time living as a art and medical model. I'm very good at it, and I'm really grateful. Uh, somehow I survive. Um, I go to food banks, and I get I supplement my food uh, with food banks that people donate to, and that's really nice, and I help my mom out because she's in a financial situation where she needs me to bring her extra food, and she's a low-income senior. So, although I think she has a new boyfriend, so that's looking up for her, hopefully, and she needs that mental and physical support from a guy in her life. My stepdad died about three years ago. That was her fourth marriage. Uh, so, I've never been married. My dad um, is on his second marriage, but he's separated, but now he has a new girlfriend, and he's going to move to Florida. So, my mom and dad and I are all three on very, very, very separate paths. And we're very different, and I talk to each of them separately, but we're just very in different places in life. We don't really sync up in some ways. That's okay. Um, so my family is very non-traditional. We don't really celebrate holidays. I mean, we have meals together, but we don't, like, you know, buy a bunch of presents and decorate and do all this kind of traditional. You know, we're not religious at all. So I'm just feeling scattered all over the place today as I sit here in my apartment on my day off and I'm going to clean and organize my place. I'm going to go for a walk, recalibrate my brain. Have a good day. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I just modeled for an art class, and I'm going to model again tonight for a sculpture. This morning it was for figure drawing, and this evening it's for sculpture. And I just want to take this time to say I am so, so, so grateful for my job situation. I am so happy that I work at a whole bunch of different places and it is a little confusing when I do my income tax because I have a whole bunch of uh, W-4s or W-2s or whatever they're called and some 1099s where I pay my own taxes. But I am so happy that I get to be a full-time freelance art and medical model in Seattle, USA. And I'm considered low income, but my lifestyle is, is so inexpensive that I am kind of like middle class. And so I'm so grateful for that. 
and I just found a free two-hour parking spot so I can run around and do my errands in the crazy busy neighborhood called Capitol Hill here in Seattle. And it's sunny today. It's pretty icy cold, but it's sunny, and I'm enjoying the sunshine. And today is the last day that I'm going to model until, I think, uh, December 28th, so I get a little bit of a vacation. I've been working really, really hard for the last several months so I can actually afford actually to take a couple weeks off and if somebody calls me to model I can I can do it because I have time but I'm almost kind of hoping that I can have this time open so that I can catch up on my volunteer work that I do out in nature for an organization and I want to take a lot of walks in the woods and I want to clean and organize my apartment and spend time with my cat and my boyfriend and visit my mom out in the country and oh, I'm just so, so grateful that I, not only that my job is freelance and so it's random schedule, which sometimes is chaotic, but I generally am so used to, for 25 years, I've been modeling for art classes. So I'm really, really used to the whole random schedule that I have that changes every day and every week and every month and every year. <laughs> and... um I work for a whole bunch of different places, and all the paperwork is different for each school that I work for, and so that makes it challenging and yet stimulating and interesting, and things change and adjust, and I'm so glad that I don't have a corporate job that I don't like. I am so grateful that I know how to survive in this competitive world. I'm so grateful for the food banks. I'm so grateful for the health food stores. I am so grateful there's a cute person walking down the street with a cute little dog, and the dog looks really happy, and I am glad that Alabama... In the United States and Alabama, somebody got elected that um, instead of the Republican, the Democrat got elected. Uh, there's not always a huge difference in Democrats and Republicans these days, but generally speaking, Democrats are a little bit more um, compassionate towards the poor and middle class, and Republicans are generally into policies that benefit mostly the wealthy and really kind of make the poor and middle class fend for themselves. So when they say less government, I think that's kind of a cop-out. I want more government. I want different government, ethical government. So <laughs> I guess I'm rambling on to a different subject. I have to do my radio show. Every Thursday, I have a radio show called Goddess Kring on Hollow Earth Radio, and then I archive it on Mixcloud. And there's also some of my podcast slash radio shows and music on Bandcamp and my YouTube channel I've had for 12 years. And that has all kinds of videos and podcasts and different creative things I've made. And my art is hanging at a medical building in Seattle near Boren and Madison. And I'm really happy somebody invited me to do that, a friend of mine who likes my art. And his manager liked my art online, so I'm happy that I have some abstract prints of drawings I've done, pure abstraction, non-representational, inspired by Hunderwasser and Gustav Klimt, I would say, and, and inspired by the shapes I see in plants and animals in nature. And there's some photography as well on the wall, and a hand, um, well, a design that I had printed onto a shirt, and there's a book that I made, uh, Art Identity in the Sacred, that I self-published. So I'm really happy that my art is showing for three months at a place in Seattle, medical building. Hopefully it'll entertain and inspire people who sit in the waiting room to see their doctor for three months. 
and definitely the work is for sale, but I don't want, I, they didn't want price tags on the wall, and nor do I want to put price tags on the wall, so there's just my business card there if anybody wants to contact me to buy anything, but I'm not really motivated to sell my art as much as I want to share it and show it. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I'm thinking about going to England again to visit my friend. Just need the nerve to get the ticket, and I think I found a good deal, but I'm just afraid to buy the ticket, because I always am. But I work really, 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 really hard, and financially it always works out, so I probably do it, and what was I going to say in the spring? Go to England, visit my friend. I'm going to model all day today for a painting workshop for six hours, and uh, I want to go and spend more time in nature just waking up, need to have my coffee. Just wanted to check in for today. I still think about crime and punishment and because uh, I'm not really a big believer that punishing people that do horrible things really helps. Like, I'm very altruistic and I would wish that humankind, um, the positive people in the world that want to make the world a better place would enforce the laws of uh, people who do nasty negative things that are harmful or, or criminal activity to make them do something good like community service, volunteer, help people that are suffering. If they're no good with people, then have them help animals. If they're no good with animals, have them help plants. Teach them how to help plants. Put people to work doing positive things despite all the horrible things going on. Uh, do something positive. Be the change you want to see and make people be the change that you want to see instead of locking people up and treating them like they're bad people, which really doesn't motivate. Kind of like a parent who focuses on punishing their kid when they do something wrong instead of trying to encourage them to do better things and reinforce their good behavior and also try to... Um, counteract, like if, if, a, if a kid does something horrible that the parent didn't want them to do or does something that's actually harmful and actually hurts the kid, instead of punishing them and making them feel bad about themselves and shaming them for whatever mistake they made, I think it's, it's uh, more helpful to help them become better people by putting them to work, say, okay, what you did is wrong, now I'm going to put you to work and you're going to do this. So it's kind of punishment in terms of making them do something, but it's making them do something positive, like weed the garden, like clean the house, like do something helpful and positive and productive, or take care of the plants or the animals, or volunteer at the homeless shelter, or volunteer helping animals that are suffering, you know, at the, like, animal shelter, or... You know, do something positive. Maybe give the person a list of things. Okay, I want you to go to work doing something to help society and help the world and so you can feel better about yourself and be productive and, and contribute to society. And then give them a list of things to choose. This goes for parents and kids. This goes for, I think, our criminal system. I think also police officers who abuse their power and harm people should be have their guns taken away and then they should have to do some other kind of job and community service and help people that are victims of violence, uh, help animals, help homeless people, help, you know, whatever, just a list of things, brainstorm ideas. What are all the things that need help functioning and running and 
people who do nasty things should help that. And also people who are who are positive people already and they just want to help make the world a better place and do that. I've thought about during the holidays volunteering at a homeless shelter or, you know, feeding like Thanksgiving dinner to homeless people or, you know, do some kind of thing for a holiday that's helping people less fortunate or, I mean, I'm a low-income person, but I'm definitely not homeless and I'm doing quite well as a full-time freelance model for artists and medical students. And so I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, but by a mainstream American standards, I'm very, very low income. Um, but I have food and shelter and I have a car that gets really good gas mileage and I have, you know, my life is actually pretty good, um, but it's not fancy and I don't buy lots of things and I don't go out to dinner very often and I'm just kind of really frugal and yet I've managed to go to Europe a bunch of times because I have friends I can stay with and because I know how to travel really, really, really cheap and just drink water and eat out of grocery stores and don't really go to fancy restaurants and... You know, I don't go to the hair salon or the nail salon, and I don't even wear makeup, so I don't have to spend any money on that kind of stuff. I don't even really shave. I shave my legs, I guess, but nothing else. Thanks for listening. Life is interesting. This is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring in Seattle, and I was just pondering the punishment and crime, crime and punishment in the United States of America. I would say for the whole of humanity, um, there's part of me that wants to look at humanity as an uh, as a an overview of humanity and the kind of mistakes that humans make as societies, and I feel like throwing people in prison um, doesn't really necessarily help. If someone is a sociopath, they probably need to be kept away from regular society if they're very violent and they're sociopathic, meaning they have no empathy or compassion for people that they harm. So they're kind of crazy, basically, because they, they don't mind if they hurt somebody else. So that's really strange. But those people need to be probably kept away from the rest of society. But um, for people who do wrong things, like if it's a sexual harassment thing, people are getting fired and or resigning. There's police officers that in the United States abuse their power and sometimes kill people, but they don't really need to. So they basically are reacting with fear and over, um, basically abusing their power and doing overforce. There's a recent video. I'm sorry, I forgot the person's name, but he was in a hotel and he was on the floor crawling and the police officer, I didn't watch the video because I think it'll upset me too much, but I just read the description. He's lying there. And he reaches down to pull his pants up, apparently, because he has no weapon. But the police officer thought he had a weapon and ended up shooting him and killing him after the poor guy was saying, please don't shoot me, please don't shoot me. So it's really, really awful. And the police officer was found not guilty of murder. And it's sad that in the United States, a lot of police officers are given immunity when they abuse their power. And to me... Um, I feel like a police officer that abuses their power in that way that I just described and kills somebody unnecessarily because they're afraid for their own safety, they overreact and they end up killing somebody, which is a tragedy and an awful thing. It's basically murder and it's legal murder, uh, which is really sad, just like war, military, war is legal murder as well. 
Ah, Hiroshima, you know, rings a bell, right? That's Hiroshima was a pretty awful thing that humanity did to humanity. To me, I don't think of like the Japanese versus the Americans, the Palestinians versus the Israelis. I feel like we're all humans, and obviously we're all humans, and it's absurd what, how we treat each other. And to me, instead of punishment, okay, this police officer, nothing is going to happen to him apparently. Uh, maybe just a leave of absence, but then he gets to go back on patrol with a weapon. Hopefully not. If I was king of the world or queen of the world, I would say police officers that abuse their power like that and unnecessarily harm or kill people need to have their weapons taken away and they need to do community service. They need to actually help victims of violence. They need to volunteer or maybe their job needs to change instead of being a police officer with a weapon on patrol or whatever they do. They need to work in community service and help people that are victims of violence and victims of crime so that they can th acknowledge and think about how they harmed somebody. So I feel like we should put people to work, do community service. I feel like the same thing if somebody is actually guilty of sexual harassment. If somebody is falsely accused of sexual harassment, then that should be talked about in, in the open about uh, the abuse of that. Because if you didn't actually do something and you're falsely accused and everyone thinks you're guilty, that is also being a victim. And also, if you're actually accusing somebody and they really did harm you and abuse you in some way and nobody believes you, that's also being a victim. So basically, there's different kinds of being a victim. And I feel like as humans, instead of getting angry and wanting revenge on people who do bad things... Uh, it would be more healthy and less toxic as a society, whether it's the United States or any other country, if we had people do community service, go into therapy, work on their stuff, actually make public speeches about how they've improved themselves and how they are growing into a better person and acknowledge whatever wrong thing they did and acknowledge it and learn to have empathy and compassion. I mean, what is it that we can do as a society, as a human race, to have more ethics and compassion? And this goes for plants and animals, too, the way humans destroy plants and animals. I just feel like it's a duality. I feel like all of the ills of humankind come down to duality, meaning we feel separate. It's us versus them. It's, it's humans versus animals. It's humans versus other humans, us versus them. We need to go beyond the duality. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring in Seattle, and I just wanted to say something about all of the people resigning and are getting fired uh, because of sexual abuse allegations, accusations, etc., inappropriate, unprofessional behavior that's uh, sexist and or abusive in some way. Um, I don't really think it does any good for people to get fired or resign or be name-called or abused, uh, being publicly humiliated. I think that if somebody does something inappropriate or wrong, they should definitely have to acknowledge it and own up to that. But I wish that the media and the people would talk more about what can we do to improve society? What can we do to actually help society and deal with these issues of sexism and abuse uh, Name-calling and gossiping about people and humiliating people and making fun of people is not really going to help people heal and get better. I feel like there should be more talk about people going into therapy if they're inappropriate with their boundaries and have weird sexual urges that they can't control. You know, there's nothing wrong with sexuality, but unwanted sexual advances is not okay and it's unprofessional. Of course, blackmailing people for sexual favors, you know, is not good either and any kind of 
sexism, racism, classism, all of it. I wish that we would talk more about the real issues like single-payer health care, equal pay for men and women, uh, when somebody is abusive in the workplace, whether it's a sexist thing or a... Um, some kind of power trip. I make more money than you, so you have to do whatever I say. You know, just some kind of a competitive power trip. I feel like to uh, shame people and name blame the, the name blame game. It doesn't really help. It's fix the problem when people get fired and resign. You know, maybe people do deserve to lose their power when they abuse their power in this way. Uh, but it still doesn't really solve the issue of sexism and sexual abuse and inappropriate boundaries and unprofessional behavior. We need to talk about what can we do to make society better. Do these people need to go into therapy? You know, victims of abuse go into therapy. Well, maybe the people who abuse, who don't seem to have compassion or empathy for how they affect other people, maybe they need some kind of therapy as well or some kind of community service work that they can do to make the world a better place. You know, I agree. Also, prison should be for sociopaths who are too insane to be in the general population, but I don't think that punishing people by locking them up in prison really makes them any better. It doesn't rehabilitate them. So I feel like we should have more community service oriented punishments to make the world a better place. So if somebody makes a mistake, give them a chance to do something positive by basically forcing them to do some kind of community service and figure out what is safe for them to do to help make the world a better place. Instead of telling people that they're bad, shame on you, you're a bad person, you're fired, or you have to resign, why not take this as an opportunity to say, hey, I screwed up, what can I do to make it better? And then talk about how society could actually improve and things could be better whether it's being accused of some sexual thing or abusive power trip kind of thing, or, you know, equal pay for men and women is another issue we could talk about, single-payer health care, you know, ethics, compassion, uh, the health of society. You know, in the United States, we have a lot of poverty and more homeless people, and we have extreme wealth, and that's a real issue as well. So there's so many different issues in this whole um allegations of people getting fired and, and resigning, you know, it is good that people are acknowledging that these things happen and that it's wrong and something needs to be done. But just just simply calling somebody a bad person and having them resign or, f or f get fired, it doesn't solve the issue. We still need to solve the issue of people abusing each other and people having a lack of respect for each other and not treating each other well and give somebody a chance if they screw up, if they want to apologize for the mistake they made and try to do better, give somebody a chance to try to be a better person instead of labeling them as a bad person, go away, you're bad. That doesn't really help. Like when a, when a parent raises a kid that way, you know, shut up, you're a bad kid, go away. That's not going to help the kid learn to be a better kid. So they're just going to rebel or feel ashamed or have low self-esteem. So we need to find a healthier way to deal with these issues. That's my opinion.
Hey, this is Shannon Kring and Goddess Kring in Seattle, and I have a new radio show. I think this is my music-only show number seven. I have done 49 for like over a year now. I started on Tom Petty's birthday. May he rest in peace of last year of 2016. October 20th, 2016, I started my podcast slash radio show on hollowearthradio.org here in Seattle, and it's now also K-H-U-H-L-P-F-M on the low-powered <clears throat> FM dial in Seattle. Uh, but it's mostly an online radio station called hollowearthradio.org, streaming live online 24-7, I think, worldwide. So I have a show called Goddess Kring, and it's 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in the United States on every Thursday. And Goddess Kring is the first 49 episodes. They're all on Mixcloud, by the way. Mixcloud.com slash Goddess Kring, I think is my URL. Um, if you just Google Shannon Kringen Radio Podcast, you'll find a bunch of links all over the Internet. I'm all over the Internet. If you Google my name, oh, my God, you'll see so much stuff. Because <laughs> um, for the last 17 or 18 years, I have been totally totally active online sharing photos and words and music and video that I create and paintings and all kinds of poems and different things that I create and I love doing that and I also work as an art and medical model for people that's my life don't really have much of a social life I do have a boyfriend that I don't live with and I see a couple times a week mostly we just text every day hello and good night good morning and good night and we hang out a couple times a week maybe at the most right now anyway because we're both so busy he does music and <clears throat> photography, <clears throat> so he's a full-time freelance guy, too. So I wanted to say my radio show's on today, and it's 49 episodes of, of uh, poetry and music and monologues that I create all my own copyright, a whole hour each time, and it's all archived on Mixcloud, and it's also on my YouTube uh, channel with my visual art. And then I've done music shows, and the last seven episodes, last, the last seven weeks have been music only, music and artists that I love, a variety, Tom Petty, Tori Amos, Rafe Perlman, Jason Webley, Heather Nova, Jesse Sykes, to name a few, Marty Wilson Piper, lots of different music, Sinead O'Connor, Edie Brickell, just lots of uh, PJ Harvey, different musicians that I like bits and pieces of, and mostly Tom Petty and Tori Amos are my two favorite songwriters. May Tom Petty rest in peace, and I'm still really sad about it, uh, but I think there's going to be an album coming out because there's a lot of unreleased tracks that Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers recorded but never released, at least a few, I think, so I'm hoping that they're going to come up with an interesting album eventually when people are mm, not so st stuck in grief that they can't even do that, but maybe someday. And what else was I going to say? And today's show, episode number seven of Goddess Kring Music Only Radio, is my own music. I have uh, me live at Chop Suey in Seattle from a few years ago with Claxton Kent, and just some other interesting mixtures, me on the keyboard doing instrumental improvisational music, and some other recorded poems and goddess philosophy that I have. And that's my show today, so I guess I will link the link to my Mixcloud to this. It's on Hollow Earth Radio, 
3 to 4 p.m. every Thursday. And then after it airs, I archive it onto my Mixcloud. And I have some of the shows on Bandcamp. I think the first 23 shows are on Bandcamp. And I have the first 49 shows on my YouTube channel. And what else? And Patreon has some too. Uh, I have a Patreon. People can donate as little as a dollar, but I don't really depend on people donating to that. That's just an option. It's really free. All my material online is free. I also offer my photographs under the Creative Commons license for free to publish. You can even go to my Flickr, I think, and download full-size images and print them out. Just give me credit, Shannon Kringen Photographer. So thank you for listening. Enjoy your day. Express yourself no matter what they say. Be yourself no matter what they say. That's from a Sting song called Englishman in New York that I love. Thanks for listening. This is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle. And let me go on record and say that I am supportive of the United States of America expanding the current affordable health care plan that Obama helped get in, Obamacare ACA. Affordable Health Care Act, which is actually not affordable to some people. For me, I'm a low-income person. I live in Washington State. I make like 1500 bucks a month. So my health care is free, and I have access to mental health care. I have access to dental, vision, and regular doctor care. And I got a mammogram and the whole deal. So, And there was no bill for me. But that's only because I'm low income. If I made more money, then I might have to pay 500 bucks a month plus a copay. So that's a ripoff. Um, so really expanding the healthcare system in the United States to a single payer system, which would eliminate a lot of paperwork and lower the prices because everybody would just pay taxes and the money would go towards that. And we would abolish private health insurance companies that are there to deny people care and charge people administrative fees and waste a lot of time and money on paperwork and a bunch of red tape. So the single payer system, which people have in Canada and Australia and even Mexico and most of Europe, my friend in Norway, my friend in England, my friend in Scotland, my friend in France, they all have a healthcare system that is very low cost to them, you know, just by being citizens. And if you switch your job or change your job or, or get higher pay or lower pay, your healthcare stays the same. And if you're a student, your healthcare stays the same. And if you're a child still living with your parents, your healthcare stays the same. So basically your healthcare is very stable and you never have to worry about humongous medical bills when you live in a socialized country that has single-payer health care, which is funded by the government. Right now, the United States government is in the bed with big pharma and corporations. In England, they regulate to keep the costs low. In the United States, the opposite. The corporations tell the government what they want, and the government lets them do it. Jack up prices. Charge $50 for a saline bag that would in other countries cost 5 bucks. You know, a, uh, an asthma inhaler in Cuba, which would cost five cents, uh, probably cost $10 here in the United States, or maybe even more than that. You know, insulin for diabetic people costs huge amounts of money in the United States, and in other countries costs a lot less. So something is fishy here. Price jacking, price gouging is legal in the United States, and that's corrupt in itself. So are we ever going to get a healthcare system that's not part of capitalism? You know, this is not a marketplace. I don't want to broker for my health care. This is just ridiculous. So it makes me want to move to another country when I retire. I'm so envious of my friends in Europe who have health care and they pay taxes. And my friend in England, 
uh, makes about $2,000 a month, I think, equivalent, and only 125 a month is taken out of his paycheck in order to pay for his national health care. And so if he ever needs to go to a doctor, he can just go and not do a lot of paperwork. And they don't ask him, does he have insurance? Because yes, he does, because he's a British citizen. So he automatically has it. Just like in Canada, you should go to the hospital and you show him your health card and you're in. You know, there's no oh, are you covered? Oh, how much is the bill going to be? There's none of that. So a single-payer system would cost less than what we currently have. We already pay twice as much per capita per person for not covering people in the United States than they do in Canada. So it's totally ridiculous. Our system is ridiculous. Uh, how are we ever going to get them to be ethical? How are we going to stop lobbyists and big pharma from jacking prices up? How is the federal government in the United States? I don't want less government. I want different government. I want a government that actually is for the people, not just the wealthy people in the corporations. You know, they all seem to get paid off. So that's my my piece on this. I would like I like my Obamacare but only because I'm low income enough to get the free kind. What I really want is single payer for every American citizen, rich, poor, young, old, sick and healthy, all equally covered. Because in the United States, people that are poor get punished for it, people that are wealthy get rewarded for it. As if it's lazy if you're poor. If you have cancer and you're poor, it's like you're lazy. And if you're rich and you have cancer, then obviously you worked hard and you, you deserve cancer treatment, you know, or whatever. It's like, it's a totally ridiculous. So it's really, really, really unfair system. So capitalism really has no place in healthcare. And I don't know how we're going to get this to ever change. My Obamacare is a lot better than what I had previously, was, which was nothing. Um, I'm fairly healthy and don't really need to go to the doctor hardly ever. Um, but I'm glad I can go and not worry about a big bill. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I'm really happy that I passed the inspection. Uh, my apartment needed an uh, annual inspection, and it passed, and uh, I just need one little repair in my bathroom, and everything will be perfect. So I have a really nice landlord, and my rent is a third of my income guaranteed, and I'm in a special program, and I'm really, really, really grateful. I work really, really hard, but I don't make $9,000 a month like some people in Seattle, so... <laughs> um, yeah, the income um, the income really varies. Like some people make fifteen hundred dollars a month, and some people make up to nine thousand dollars a month. So basically, they cannot afford the same amount of rent. You know, if you make those two different kinds of incomes and anything in between. So I'm really happy, and I just uh, posted something about non-duality. I think I've posted this before about non-duality, us versus them, men versus women, with all the sexual scandals going on and the accusations. Uh, I have concern for people that are being falsely accused, but I also have concern with people who are being humiliated. And if someone is guilty of doing something inappropriate or abusive or unprofessional or sexist or whatever, um, I do think that that should be acknowledged and out in the open. But I feel like when people go around um, shaming abusers and calling them names and saying, um, basically, I believe in building up the good in the world and not fighting against the bad. So if somebody is a predator and they're being abusive, I would like them to be stopped from continuing being a victimizer. Um, but I don't believe in revenge, and I don't believe that everyone should be fired that does something unprofessional. I do believe that people should do community service, or they should acknowledge what they've done and publicly speak about it. 
and go into therapy or go into personal growth work, just like I feel like people that go into prison, like prisons in Europe, actually, some of them actually are much more humane than prisons in the United States because I don't think that, you know, it, maybe a sociopath could never be taught, you know, to be any different. I think Charles Manson was probably kind of a sociopath and he was a very abused little kid who had really messed up ideas um, and maybe he couldn't have been, you know, evolved into a better person because I think he was kind of insane. But to label people as bad or predators, you know, us versus them, you know, the victims versus the predators, um, I feel like there are people who are abused and victimized and they deserve to be heard and, and you know, speak out against uh, things that are wrong in the world. But in order to evolve and heal and grow as humans, I feel like we need to go beyond the duality of us versus them to a place of not forgiveness in terms of, oh, that's okay that you abused me, but forgiveness in terms of why did you do that? Are you a sociopath? Are you mentally ill? Do you not realize? Do you have no empathy for how you're making your victim feel? Do you realize the repercussions of what you're doing to people and traumatizing people? Because some people, I think, don't even realize what they're doing. They think it's okay. They're just copying what their fathers taught them or what their uncle taught them or what mainstream American culture taught people that, you know, men are macho and women are supposed to be sexy and men are supposed to be macho or whatever it is. The stereotype types of men and women. And I know that sometimes people are falsely accused and sometimes people get away with doing horrible things and then the poor victim is told that it never happened and that it's, you know, denied that it ever happened. And so I feel like beyond duality would be to acknowledge what's actually going on and then try to heal and grow and evolve. So that means instead of shaming and name-calling and firing people and ruining their entire career and embarrassing them, not that they don't deserve to have it acknowledged that what they did is extremely wrong and unprofessional and abusive. And, you know, to say somebody is abusive is very different than name calling and, and calling them, you know, a scumbag or, or labeling them a rapist or a predator or a whatever, an evil person or a dumb person or whatever, a person who made mistakes, a person who screwed up, a person who messed up, give them a chance if they want to. If somebody is willing to be rehabilitated, if someone is willing to go to therapy and do personal work or community service work to make the world a better place. See, I would rather march for peace. I'm with Mother Teresa on this. She said that she would not march against war, but she would march for peace. And I know that some people probably need to fight, but for me, I need to just build on what I want to grow and expand in the world. So beyond duality. Hey, this is Shannon Kring and Goddess Kring and, uh, in Seattle. I wanted to say one more thing about non-duality. There's actually a part of the reason why I'm into it is because of Joseph Campbell and synchronicity and Carl Jung, psych, you know, Jungian psychology, and also Joseph Campbell talking about comparing different religions, and some people thought he was disrespecting the diversity in the different religions. But the word religion, and I'm not really a religious person, but I'm kind of a spiritual, um, into Mother Earth kind of person, and I have a very intuitive sense of the universe all being connected, and I don't believe in like a God that's in the sky judging us man or woman or whatever. I just believe in energy that creates the universe, and I believe in nature and science, and to me that's what God is. I don't even really call it God. I just call it like consciousness, reality, but 
I was going to say, I was raised by a mom who's highly intelligent and she um, studied Advaita Vedanta non-duality and Krishnamurti and stuff like that from philosophy, basically, from Eastern philosophy. But really, there's wisdom in every single uh, tradition of religion or even scientists that are just wise and cutting-edge scientists, not scientists that thought the earth was flat and refused to expand their idea that maybe the earth isn't flat, but scientists that are actually trying to discover new things and have an open mind, quantum physics type people. Uh, Non-duality, one of the other things that frustrates me about it is um, I used to sometimes say, like, I felt bad for Palestinians being attacked by Israel. And whenever I would say Palestinians have rights, people would say, oh, you're against Israel. You're anti-Semitic. But I'm not. So it's like you have to choose. It's sad to me that humans think you. I either have to be for Palestinians or for Israeli people. I'm not allowed to say that I want both kinds of people to coexist and both all people basically have the right to food, water, shelter, basic existence. Um, and so us versus them is really sad to me when it comes to men versus women, Israel versus Palestine, young people versus old people, rich people versus poor people, the United States versus another country, you know, Australia versus the United States versus Europe versus Asia versus India versus Africa, like as if we're all sporting teams competing with each other. There's unity in the diversity, and so when you apply that to your own personal life, there's people that feel really competitive with each other, and one person has to win, and one person has to lose, and that's really sad to me. And so it's sad that people think that it's Republicans versus Democrats, and then other people say, no, it's it's the liberal people versus conservative people, or no, it's rich people versus poor people. It's people for single-payer health care versus capitalism-type health care shopping mall style healthcare. Um, I personally want single payer and I'm, I'm not like, I don't want to march against war. I want to march for peace and I would rather march for single payer and not against Trump care or against, you know, GOP or against whatever. Um, although personally I don't like, um, tax cuts for the wealthy and then making the poor people pay more taxes. I think that's very unfair. I think some people do need to march in the street and yell about what they're against. But for me personally, I feel because that would be dualistic of me to judge those people and think that they should all be like me. I don't think every single person on the planet should be like me. Aside from the fact that I do think most humans would benefit if they had compassion for each other. You know, if, if I don't understand what it's like to be an extremely macho guy that's a CEO of a large corporation. I mean, to me, and because I'm like, you know, uh, a figure model in Seattle that's low income, I don't know what it's like to be a wealthy corporate person, but I imagine they are afraid of losing their money and they're afraid of scarcity and they're probably afraid of being poor. I'm afraid of, of uh, I, actually, I am poor according to income standards. I'm a low income person. But I kind of live like a middle class person because I have a really cheap lifestyle and I don't really spend money on anything except basic food and shelter and, you know, some art supplies here and there. Um, so what was I going to say? So fighting against what you don't like doesn't really work for me. But I'm not saying there aren't people out there fighting, you know, like civil rights, you know, fighting for the right to vote, fighting for your right to do certain things. But for me, I feel like the world needs people that build up the good and not just people that fight the bad. Like sometimes humans do need to take antibiotics 
but then it kills the good bacteria. So then you have to take probiotics. There's antibiotics and probiotics and raw garlic to balance out the bacteria. This is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I haven't recorded in a few days. I've been really busy. I hung my art in a medical office um, in Seattle. It's going to be up there for three months. I think I have 10 or 11 pieces. I took photos. I put those on my Flickr and on my Facebook. Maybe I'll link my Facebook to this. And you can look at a whole bunch of photos of my art. And I saw the movie The Disaster Artist, which I really loved, and I might, even though it's bittersweet because it's kind of making fun of that guy who made the movie The Room, but then again, this movie is going to make him extremely famous, and maybe his career will take off if he wants his career to take off. I think he was in a car accident and might have some brain damage. I don't know. He's very kind of secretive about the reality of himself. But the movie The Disaster Artist was very well done and intelligent and kind of bittersweet and very funny and yet very serious and kind of poignant. Had a lot of good points to make. It left me with an inspirational message of do what you love no matter what, even if people make fun of you. And maybe external success is not really the main thing about life anyway. Uh, I haven't really tried to sell my art. Well, I've sold my art here and there, but I, I to think to equate selling your art as success, I don't think is needs to be that way. I'm a success because I make a good living as an art and medical model and a full-time freelance person that I've done for this for like 20 years. Art modeling for 25 years, medical modeling for 20 years, and I'm really happy and proud of myself for that, and I think that's a success. And the other thing, oh, I wanted to do another post about non-duality beyond duality, but I don't want to be called something like a misogynist or a, there's the male versus female, and I've been called a misogynist for saying certain things about justice and fairness and equality. I guess I'm a feminist, but I might rather call myself an, a holist or an equalist. Uh, because I don't believe that women are superior to men. Um, I think some people get carried away and they want to swing the pendulum. And so instead of men bossing everyone around, they want women to take over the world. And I, don't, I think that would just be more of the same, to have the duality of male versus female. And then there's the same thing of Israel versus Palestine. Um, colored people versus white people. I mean, there's all these us versus them, animals versus plants, or humans versus animals, or nature versus the city. There's all this duality in the world, and then there's hypocrisy. And when I've said things about Palestinians having human rights and wanting them to have equal human rights to Israeli people, people have called me anti-Semitic. And people have assumed that just because I'm critical of Israel bombing and doing violent things and depriving Palestinians of food and shelter and water and land, uh, that I don't want Israeli people to have rights, and that's not true. I want all people to have rights, and I feel like human beings, I think Krishnamurti from India has said this, is that labels, us versus them, national nationality, is, is actually destructive because there's unity in the diversity, if people would recognize that, like Joseph Campbell said comparing all the religions and finding the unity. But then he got, people got mad at Joseph Campbell because they thought he wasn't appreciating how different cultures are. But he was saying that all cultures are connected and there's common themes. He was trying to say that to unite people, not to 
not to further this feeling of competition or whatever. That's the whole point. So I feel sad that people want to do this us versus them thing. And I'm not perfect either. I just have this ideal uh, philosophy that I wish more people would do. And Krishnamurti talks about it and how it's, if you separate yourself, it's really, especially people who consider themselves spiritual. I'm not really religious and I don't believe in God that's like a man in the sky or a woman in the sky. But I believe in energy and consciousness and that we're all connected and we're all one in this universe, even though we're all different. We're all unique individuals and we all come from different cultures and we like different kinds of food and different kinds of music and we have different ideas. Uh, but people have the right to exist and I feel like if if one side, if Israel attacks and bombs, that's considered self-defense. And if Palestinians do something violent towards Israelis, that's considered terrorism. But to me, it's all terrorism, all the violence inflicted. Even if they say, well, we're doing this for a good reason. And then they say, the other side probably thinks they're doing it for a good reason, too. It's all just a bunch of violence. And I'm just against all of the violence, no matter who does it. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring in Seattle, and I'm having a difficult situation. Uh, I think my mom is okay right now, but my mom was feeling suicidal last night. My mom is a very spiritual person, and she studies Advaita Vedanta non-duality, but my stepfather passed away uh, about three years ago, and ever since then, she's been not very happy because they were great, like, soulmates, and they were together for 30 years, and... She's been trying to date, and she had a situation with a female friend that was upsetting to her. I don't want to say any details, but my mom just felt like walking into Puget Sound last night, uh, which is the ocean around here. Well, whatever, Puget Sound goes to the ocean. So it's very cold, and she would get hypothermia. So she checked into a hospital instead of doing that, I guess, and they released her at 8.45 this morning because I called the hospital and they told me that information because I didn't know what was going on. So I was worried about her. So I hope she's sleeping right now because she's not responding to my email or my voicemail or my text. So hopefully she's just exhausted and sleeping. I wish that she would just say, I'm okay, I need to sleep or something. This just triggers me because it reminds me of some of my childhood memories of her not coming home because she was dating different guys, not because she was depressed, but she would like not come home sometimes when I was 13 and I was in the house by myself. I'm an only child. So it traumatized me. So my mom basically made some choices when I was young that was really, that were really stressful to me. And, um, my mom is very, 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 very intelligent intellectually and she's highly sensitive and she's very, very talented designer and artist. But on an emotional level, she seems to be kind of, um, insecure and angry and has lots of different feelings and when her and another person have a conflict I don't know if she knows how to stand up for her boundaries and do things that help take care of herself in a situation so then she gets really she feels a lot of anger and she doesn't know how to express that to the person that she's upset with and so maybe she turns it in on herself I don't know but I just feel like there are some things that my mom just didn't learn how to do and she's now 70 and I'm 49 and I still am trying to figure some stuff out too for myself. So this post is not about me saying negative things about my mom, but this post, I love my mom very much and she's an intelligent, sensitive person. She just has certain emotional issues that have always been difficult for me to deal with as the daughter of this person. And I've got my own emotional issues and my dad is a whole nother ball of wax and my parents split up when, when I was four, so they're totally not together. 
and they're very different, but let me just say that I'm an only child, and both my parents are highly, highly sensitive people. My dad is not macho. He's not a typical guy at all, and my mom is not a typical woman at all. She's very, like, into spirituality, and she's very natural and earthy, and she... um it's just a long story. Both my parents are kind of unusual people, and I feel like all three of us are sensitive, and we all have different ways of coping with our emotional challenges. Being sensitive people um, has its pros and cons. It's a double-edged sword, be, being sensitive. So I hope my mom is okay. I'm just feeling kind of sick to my stomach right now about the whole situation, and I hope she's okay because she lives two hours away from where I am in Seattle. And I have an inspector coming tomorrow for my Section 8, and I need to clean my apartment and get ready, and today is my only day off, and I need to take care of myself, but I also want to make sure my mom is okay. <sighs> Thank you for listening. Life is challenging. I'm still sad that Tom Petty died, and I am worried about my mom, and I don't know what I can do to help. She's also in a very financially low-income situation. She has Social Security, but her mortgage payment is very high. So she's just living on the edge financially, and um, she's a really talented artist with an art studio and has shown professional, you know, in galleries, and she's a very, very high-quality artist, but she's, I think, really depressed about my stepfather passing away, and I don't think she's made work, and she had a falling out with the gallery owner, and so she's currently not represented in any galleries. And hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and something positive. I am contributing, I think, to a book being written about the healing power of music, specifically Tom Petty music. Uh, some of you know that I am a huge Tom Petty fan. I'm really sad that he passed away suddenly. Not entirely surprised because he was a heavy smoker, and I think he was kind of hard on his body in terms of being a very nervous person and a very sensitive person, working really hard as a musician for like, you know, 66 years and um, pacing around the room till 5 a.m. with adrenaline, he said, after every show. Um, I love his music. So I heard Refugee in a Jukebox when I was 11 at a pizza parlor, ran over to it. What is this? And I, I wrote like all kinds of cool stuff about the effect his music has on me. And it's, it's helpful to me. My favorite songwriters are Tom Petty, Tori Amos, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, among others. Uh, music is like a drug to me in a good way. I don't drink or smoke anything. I don't like alcohol. I don't smoke pot. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't like any of that stuff. Um, but I listen to music every day. I sing, I dance, I walk, I exercise. Music is my constant companion, makes me feel better, energizes me, grounds me, balances me, helps me channel my emotions and process my feelings. I feel closer to songs I love than to people sometimes. I'm very sensitive, emotional, and moody, and an artist, so I resonate with fellow creative people. I mention songs like Angel Dream and Luna and the sweet romanticness of that contrasted with the more rocky, masculine songs. Uh, somebody's writing a book, so um, I'm one of the people contributing, I hope, to it. I'm sending this to this person, and hopefully it's going to get published. And I mentioned specific songs of Tom, by Tom Petty that have helped me through difficult times in my life with relationships, uh, with rent being jacked up and me having to move because real estate developers took over and there's no rent control here in Seattle. Uh, but I survive now. Uh, because I have Section 8 rent, so my rent's only a third of my income, and I work very hard. I'm not lazy, uh, but I work very hard, but I just happen to be low income in terms of, like, you know, some people in Seattle make $9,000 a month, and I only make about 1500 give or take. So 
Um, there's all kinds of cool Tom Petty songs like Echo, Turn This Car Around, Luna, Magnolia. You know, I just wrote a whole bunch of stuff. And no matter what mood I'm in, the music is always there for me. You know, my life, my relationships change, and I move around a lot, and I have different moods, but the music is always there for me. So the beauty of music when somebody records, writes and records a song is that the music is always there for you. Uh, even if your life is changing in other ways, you can always play the recording of the music over and over and over again. Like, it's cool that in 1979, Refugee was new, and now you can still listen to it, and it still sounds amazing. I'm still not tired of the song Refugee. Uh, but I do love Tom Petty's newer songs more than his older songs overall. I love Mojo, Hypnotic Eye, Highway Companion. Those are some of the newer albums. I have basically a collection of all of his music. I mean, digital collection. I used to have actual vinyl records. Got rid of those when I flipped out and moved one one time. But um, in the early 90s, that was awful. I threw all my records away. It was awful because nobody was helping me move. Long story. Okay, so music is powerful and healing. I love the the... Neil Young actually just recently put all of his music free to listen to on his website, Neil Young Archives or whatever it's called, and that's really awesome. So the healing power of music. I'm excited to contribute to this Tom Petty book. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I'm kind of stressed out and nervous about the GOP tax scam, whatever. I guess it's only really going to benefit the, the wealthy and the corporations and not really the poor income Low-income people like me, I make less than 25000 a year. Actually, my life is better that way if I tried to make more money. Uh, I might not qualify for my Section 8 rent, and uh, I might not, I don't even know how to make tons of money anyway, but if I made like three or four or 5000 or more per month, um, then my rent would be really high. And the student loan people would want to charge me several hundred dollars a month, and my health insurance uh, would cost a lot. So basically, my way of strategy to survive in this country, USA Incorporated, is to work as hard as I can and make a living, uh, but not think that I have to make $3,000 a month or more. I probably make about 1500 bucks a month, and I work really hard as an art model. I work at 20 different places. And my income taxes are very complicated with 1099 as well as W-4. So I consider the people that are hijacking the USA kind of money hoarding embezzlers, but I also don't believe in reading all of the fear, um, the articles that focus on all the negativity and the fear. Uh, I definitely think that it sounds like a really bad tax plan. Nobody even really read it. They just kind of pushed it all through. Uh, I am happy with my Obamacare right now, but nobody else, only low-income people like me actually seem to get the good kind of Obamacare, which doesn't have uh, big costs every month. Um, I want us to switch to a single-payer system. I don't want to dismantle Obamacare. I want it expanded and improved to be single-payer, which would actually lessen how much it costs to insure every single American. You should just be covered as an American citizen by paying your taxes every year. Uh, I don't believe in cutting the taxes for everyone. Also, it's supposedly it's raising the taxes for low-income and middle-class people and lowering the taxes for the wealthy people that can afford it. So it's it's exactly the opposite of what it should be. Um, I don't know how it's personally going to impact me. I want to find out because people tend to freak out and panic and get really angry and reactive. 
and I believe in staying calm and I'm going to call my health insurance people and ask them what the deal is. I'm going to figure out what my income taxes are going to be this year and next year and beyond. I might want to start planning to retire in another country that's uh, more humane than the United States of America because in this country we are told that we have to work really hard and pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and that the government is not supposed to help us. I don't believe in sitting around and being lazy. That's a stereotype. I work very hard. I have anxiety and depression and I work sometimes seven days a week. Um, other countries, people take holidays, people get paid vacations, paid maternity leave. They don't have to worry about medical bills. In the United States, we have to be concerned with medical bills and tuition is, you know, seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year to go to college or whatever. It's crazy. So this system is bizarre. Capitalism is really not working. Cutthroat capitalism that's highly competitive and makes healthcare part of our capitalist system is totally inhumane and insane and absurd. So I want Bernie Sanders to be the president of the United States, and um, it's just really sad. I voted for Hillary. Uh, I don't really care for Trump. I voted for Hillary, uh, but I wanted Bernie Sanders. So I don't think our elections are legitimate, though. I don't think that, you know, the Electoral College or College Electoral, whatever the heck it's called, it doesn't really, it's not democracy. It's not a democratic voting system here in this country. So money wins. You know, whoever has the most money and power wins. I don't really think it's about who votes. I do vote every presidential election, but I don't really think it counts. Uh, I voted for the lesser of two evils. I voted for Hillary. I love that Hillary is a woman. I love that she's a strong woman and she's got to where she's gotten. But she's a little too war happy for me. She's a little bit too pro-war, pro-violence, pro-military violence. She's a little bit too conservative financially. Uh, she's a little too much like a Republican for me in terms of letting money be corrupt and not really wanting to be radical the way Bernie Sanders did with single-payer health care and make corporations pay their fair share of taxes and put more money into social programs and cut the military budget and cut the defense budget, uh, help the veterans, but less money for war, more, more money to help veterans survive. Winds on spiral drive. Bada boo, bada bing, stinging rings the crane. Catch the winds on spiral drive. Crack the code left and right, no. Solving the can of worms on my own terms. This is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I'm sitting here resting with my cat. And it's a rainy day in Seattle, and I'm so, so grateful that I can rest right now because I had a 12-hour day yesterday and a 12-hour day tomorrow. Or wait, a 10-hour day tomorrow, 12-hour day on Thursday. I work every day this week except Sunday. And I got to work with medical students this morning, and I got to help teach a new person how to do the medical modeling work that I do, where the students practice doing gynecological exams on us, and um, interesting work, and long story, but I've been doing that for 20 years, and 
still th- still grieving the loss of Tom Petty and thinking about why I loved his voice so much and the different nuances in Tom Petty and Tori Amos's voices and why I love their voices so much and just want to say, oh yes, the opposite of anxiety is gratitude to some extent. And so I have the kind of anxiety where I worry about the past and the future. I obsess about decisions I made in the past and wondering what if, and then future decisions I need to make, I sometimes worry about. So that's anxiety and like thinking that it's not okay the way it is right now in reality. And gratitude is more like when you accept and appreciate things as they are, even if you acknowledge things that you're upset about or sad about, like I'm upset that Tom Petty passed away, but I'm so grateful that he left us with so much music. I'm so grateful that I belong to a group online called Tom Petty Nation, where there's lots of other hardcore Tom Petty fans, and we're all sharing stories and helping ourselves go through the grief process. And we're all appreciating the music and videos of Tom Petty that he left behind. So there's always something to be grateful for, even when something awful happens, like somebody dies that you really appreciate the music of. There's always something positive about that makes you appreciate everything they created. The fact that we know there won't be any new Tom Petty records makes all of his music that he did finish while he was on this planet more special. And knowing that everything is temporary and knowing that when Tom Petty, when I was 11, I first heard Tom Petty and I kind of wanted him to just be here forever. And the truth is his music will be here forever, but the man himself will not. So he is not. So it's always good to accept the reality that things are temporary. So it gives me um, practice in accepting and letting go of someone, the temporariness of life, everything is temporary, this too shall pass, etc., like the George Harrison album, so everything, this too, should pa- this too shall pass, is that the name of his album, so there's lots and lots of lessons to be learned when something like that happens, so I am grateful that I'm alive, I'm sitting here with my kitty, he's on my lap, I just fed him some raw meat. I get him special frozen raw meat from the health food pet store. It's ground up meat with organs and muscles and bones and different vitamins and minerals. And it's, uh, has salmon oil, I think in it. And it's proper nutrition for kitties. And I also have, and my cat is thriving. His health improved tremendously when I took him off the commercial pet food. So Things are going well. Just wanted to check in with everyone. Thanks, everyone who listens to these. Have a great day. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I'm working on my radio show, which airs every Thursday at hollowearthradio.org, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in the USA. And it's streamed worldwide at that time, live. And then I archive it on Mixcloud. And my podcasts I have archived in a bunch of different sites, but my actual live radio show every week is now on Hollow Earth Radio and Mixcloud. But it boggles the mind that there's actually healthcare brokers in the United States of America. Probably in no other country does that even exist. You know, usually when somebody says, oh, I'm going to talk to my broker, 
they mean their real estate broker, which means that they're looking to find them a good deal on real estate, which people buy and sell to make a profit. And so it's like a business investment deal. Whereas healthcare is a public service, or at least it should be. To me, the public library should be like public healthcare in terms of imagine if you had to go to the library and pay $300 just to check out one library book and if you were late to be a $100 fine that's kind of the equivalent to how the healthcare system works in the United States as opposed to most other countries where you just pay taxes and not even that huge of a tax because people are told that um Europeans pay 50 or 60% in taxes it's like that's actually not true um also, a lot of Europeans make a higher wage equivalent to what people make in America, plus no medical bills. So imagine if a very small percentage of your paycheck was deducted from your paycheck every month from the company that you work for, and then you get national health care, meaning you could go to any clinic at any time and there would be no bill, no bill. Um, in the United States, people have to pay a monthly fee plus a copay when they go, plus if they need major surgery, it could be like $50,000 or $20,000. I think a C-section in the United States is $30,000 if you don't have health insurance. And if you do have health insurance, it could be several thousand dollars anyway. So not only do you pay a high monthly fee in the United States, then you also get medical bills. So our whole system is bizarre. And I have friends on my on my online, you know, community is saying they're going to talk to a broker about finding the best health care deal for themselves. You know, as if it's some kind of comp see the whole concept that healthcare is is a competitive commercial business like Wall Street or real estate or buying and selling flat screen TVs or going to the grocery store and hunting around for the best deal, you know, on tomatoes or something. It's like healthcare should be a public service. I mean, imagine if toll bridges were a hundred dollars to cross, you know, instead of seven bucks or whatever they are. So nobody could afford it. I mean, only wealthy people could drive across toll bridges if there are $100 every time you drove across a bridge. And that's how healthcare works. And my friends in England and Norway, it's very different for them. My friend in England, I think, makes equivalent of 1500 or 1800 a month American dollars. And only about 100 or $125 a month is taken from his paycheck. And if he loses his job or changes his job, and is unemployed, he can still access the healthcare um, system in England and not get a bill. And I don't even think they charge to park in parking lots at hospitals in England, whereas here you have to pay to park at a hospital in the United States. And you're going there for, like, medical treatment, and you have to pay to park. I mean, that seems insane as well to me. So um, that's just bizarre. I wonder if the United States is ever going to have single payer. I am happy with my health care because I'm low income enough to the point where I actually get socialized medicine, which is I have no monthly fee, and when I go to the doctor, I don't have to pay, although it only covers a few exams a year, and I don't know how much I have to pay if I need major surgery, but I was able to get a mammogram. Um, I was able to get, you know, regular, like, eye exam, um, you know, annual checkup, uh, dental exam, dental cleaning. I think I'm allowed to get one or two fillings a year. Um, and then if I have to pay, it's a reduced rate, and I can also apply for extra sliding scale low income. 
Uh, but the fact that it's so stressful for people, like, you know, in England or in different European countries, if you're homeless, you can go see a doctor and not worry. And I have friends that have broken their legs in Europe and they were able to access health care there and not get a bill. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I'm feeling better now. I had my coffee and my breakfast, and I'm just thinking I'm listening in my car to the soundtrack to the movie Dead Man Walking, which has amazing uh, music on it from Eddie Vedder and Michelle Schacht and Tom Waits and Johnny Cash and Bruce Springsteen. And I forgot all the Mary Chapin Carpenter, all kinds of great musicians on there, Suzanne Vega, etc. Great musicians. Um, I just am listening to music and just thinking about um, how it's important to have empathy and compassion for yourself and others. And I constantly feel like my spiritual practice is to, like, I'm not a church person. I don't go to church. And my mom and dad, um, they divorced when I was four. And both of them, my dad's very agnostic. My mom is very into Eastern philosophy and non-duality, but she's not really religious. She's just kind of into philosophy and uh, personally, I believe that nature is God, and I don't really believe in God like a man in the sky, but I feel energy, and I feel like the whole universe is connected, and I believe in science as spirituality. So to me, science and spirit are the same, and it's all about love and feeling connected to something beyond your individual self. And I feel like when I listen to Tom Petty and you sing along with him at his concerts, it's kind of like a spiritual feeling like church is supposed to be. Again, I don't go to church, and I never really did go to church, but I feel like the idea, the positive idea of what church is supposed to be is that we all feel connected in our hearts and our souls, and that we help each other and lift each other up, and that we're all connected, and that we're not separate, even though we're in our own little individual bodies. So when you're at a Tom Petty or a Tori Amos concert, it kind of has a feeling of heartfelt connection. I saw Tori live recently and I saw Tom Petty live in his last tour two months ago in, in August of 2017 in Seattle with my dad, which is sweet because in 1984 I saw Tom Petty with my dad. That was like my first Tom Petty concert in 1984. My dad was nice enough to take me. He took me to the Rolling Stones in 1981 when I was 13. That was my real first concert. But Tom Petty concert 84 was my first one. So I just really want to work on forgiving myself. I'm still feeling sad. I missed the Tom Petty tribute last night in Seattle. <clears throat> but the most important thing is that I'm in touch with love and forgiveness and forgive myself and be in the present moment. And now I'm going to model for three different art classes today. And I think it's <clears throat> good to be in touch with uh, constantly, there's a spiritual practice called releasing. I release this to its highest good. Like every day I could say to myself, whenever I feel uh, unsure of a decision I've made, I could say, I release this to its highest good and just accept that I feel sad and that I feel, because the more I beat myself up for the choice I made last night to not go to the Tom Petty tribute, the more I'm going to torture myself about it. So it's weird that I, I pick on myself about decisions I make, whether they're big decisions or small decisions. Sometimes I go to the grocery store and I like sit there for like five or 10 minutes just trying to choose what kind of salad to get or what kind of vegetable to buy or, you know, whatever kind of, you know, I sit there and read the labels and I obsess and I'm like, oh my gosh, can I please just make a decision and just trust that it's an okay decision and that there is no perfect right decision. Uh, sometimes things really feel right though when you do them. 
Um, you know, you trust your gut. In fact, I, I love Tom Petty so much because, partly because he seems like a good example of somebody that really followed his dreams, followed his heart, and was brave enough to just boldly go, <laughs> boldly go where no musician had gone before. No, boldly go and just do his thing and not really um, worry about what other people thought and just do his best. So I feel like Tori Amos does the same thing. So I guess T Tom Petty and Tori Amos are sort of heroic figures, you know, like archetypal symbols to me of being um, heroic and following your heart and expressing yourself creatively. And also they just have really unique, interesting voices that they experiment with. That's why I love them both so much. And they're both very different, but they're similar. They're, um, I've talked about this before, but they have all kinds of, like, I connect the dots, basically, between the two of them, even though most people probably don't. But uh, I don't know how many Tom Petty and Tori Amos fans there are that really love both of them as much as I do, because they are kind of different in a way, although they're both prolific songwriters who write amazing melodies. But the point of this post is just to say that I'm working on releasing to the highest good whenever I make a decision. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring in Seattle, and I wanted to say something about Tom Petty's death. I'm still going through the grieving process, and I realize he's a famous person. I didn't know him personally, but a lot of the fans are very af affected by his death because we so much loved his music. I belong to a Facebook group called Tom Petty Nation, and there's a lot of really intense fans there along with me. And a lot of us are very sad about his passing as if we kind of knew him in a more personal way. Just because of his song lyrics and his style of performing <clears throat> and connecting with the audience. And I was just thinking about the grief process and how I'm, the phase I'm in right now is sort of anger and protest and a little bit of numbness. Part of me doesn't want to believe that he's gone. And part of me is actually mad at him for, <laughs> even though everything said about him is fairly positive. He did have a dark side. His dark side was that he was a very heavy smoker of both cigarettes and marijuana, um, which was hard on his lungs and hard on his heart. And he also was highly sensitive. He tried to quit smoking, I guess, and he couldn't do that. And I really love and respect his music and his work ethic. And he made the world a better place with his presence. But I just want to say... <laughs> I just am feeling sadness about his cigarette smoking and his refusal to quit. And I guess he just really enjoyed smoking so more than he wanted to quit. So, um, and at the time of his passing, he actually had a hairline fracture in his hip. And he had uh, bronchitis and laryngitis in the, in the weeks or months preceding his death. So his body definitely was tired, and his friends and family thought rest might be good for him. And he said it himself that he is a nervous wreck before he got on stage, and then he would get on stage, and of course he would love it, and he was great at it for many, you know, for 40 years. And then when he would get off stage, he said the adrenaline was so high that he would pace around his hotel room smoking and just to try to calm himself down so that he could go to sleep. So basically, that sounds like that's really hard on the body, and I'm not judging him in terms of that. He probably just had to do what he did and live the life that he lived because he was doing what he loved, and he was so good at it, and he worked so hard. I just am thinking that if he had rested a little bit more, for instance, but he might have had to cancel the tour, and that would have disappointed all the fans. But if he was still with us, that's a good trade-off for me. 
uh, because I was looking forward to another album. But that's really none of my business because he chose to do what he did with his life. But the point of this post is just to talk about the grief process and the phase I'm in right now. I'm not really totally surprised that he passed away. The way, the sudden way that it happened was kind of shocking. Um, but for somebody who is really sensitive like Tom Petty and really emotional and really driven, and he worked so hard his whole 66-year life, you know, he was pretty driven, pretty much in love with music and working really hard and liked to just get up and have a purpose every day, he said. Didn't really like to take a lot of time off because he was just so compelled to create. He also helped produce other people's albums as well as record and write his own albums. So he was involved in music pretty heavily from different directions and I don't know if he got cardiovascular exercise but I was reading about the symptoms of cardiac arrest and usually within hours days weeks sometimes even months before there are symptoms and he did so if he had been in the hospital at the time getting treatment for his fractured hip perhaps if his heart would have stopped in the hospital they could have you know started it again but the thing is he didn't want to be on a machine so the way he died maybe is, is kind of like meant to be because he didn't have to suffer and he did not want to be in a hospital on a machine. Um, that was his, his wish. That's what his family said. So he wasn't into the artificial keep me alive thing. But he could have maybe recovered if they had restarted his heart with a defibrillator and do whatever they have to do. But he, maybe he wouldn't have even wanted that. If his heart had stopped, maybe that's just not what he wanted. If his body wasn't able to continue, maybe he just wanted to go. So I just have to accept that. But I'm just, I just want to acknowledge and get that off my chest that I'm a little mad at him for smoking and not taking care of his hip and his, um, you know, he pushed himself so hard. But I love his music so much and he made the world a better place with all of his work. So thanks for listening. Just going through the grief process. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is Shannon Kring and Goddess Kring in Seattle, and it's six something in the morning, and I'm just waking up, and I'm thinking about self-betrayal, and how sad that is. I um, it sounds silly, but there was a Tom Petty uh, tribute last night in Seattle, and I did not go, and now I regret that. Uh, but at the time, I was feeling like I just wanted to stay home, and it was one of my only days off yesterday, Sunday. I tend to work almost every day, and it was $10, and I just kind of didn't feel like going, and I would have probably ridden my bike because of the parking situation. Uh, long story, but my whole lifetime, the, I feel so sad that Tom Petty died. Um, he was my favorite songwriter since I was 11 years old. And little did I know when I was 11 that he would continue to write really pretty amazing songs for like the next, um, well, 1979 is when I first heard him. So for over 35 years, he kept writing good songs. And last night there was a tribute at a place called Chop Suey in Seattle, and Capitol Hill. I've even performed there once. I wish I'd gone because maybe I could have met other serious Tom Petty fans and um, I don't know what songs they maybe could have played, but I think I'm over-romanticizing because a lot of my favorite Tom Petty songs are not the hit songs, but the more unusual songs on the records. Uh, I went to a Tom Petty tribute 
right after Tom Petty died in another part of Seattle. And it was actually a, a band that imitates Tom Petty or that, you know, covers Tom Petty. So it was a little bit cheesy and I was a little bit critical of the way they sounded. But last night's tribute, and I, and I, to make a long story short, I didn't really have that much fun going to that tribute. I was also just not in a social mood and I was really sad that he died and somehow it kind of almost didn't make me feel better, but I don't know. And then last night it was a totally different kind of tribute that it was like a few different bands were there and they do their own music normally. So they weren't imitating Tom Petty, but they were there to pay tribute to him. So I guess they were covering his songs last night, but they don't normally do. So I think I'm blowing this out of proportion, but I'm thinking about my life and how this is a pattern for me where there's choices that I could make, A or B. And some people say it's better to do something and regret it than it is to not do something and regret it because you always wonder what it would have been like. My prime example is I had an abortion in my 20s and I always think, okay, what if I had made a different choice and had a child? But at the time I was very, very scared and not in a stable relationship with the person that wanted to have a kid with me and it's just a really long story. And now I'm 49, so it's clear that I'm never going to have a kid. So that's like one of the most dramatic examples from my life of wondering what if I'd made a different choice. Uh, there's so many things that I've done in my life that I chose something. And even right now, there's uh, I might go to England and visit my friend because he invited me and I saw him a couple years ago. But I'm not sure if I really want to go, but I kind of do want to go. But for some reason, I have anxiety about buying the ticket. Um, I just need to get up and have my coffee. I model at three different places today. I need to figure out how to love myself and forgive myself for being so conflicted about decisions, big and small. I wish I'd gone to that Tom Petty tribute last night. I feel sad about it. My heart hurts. My chest aches. But my chest aches that Tom Petty died in the first place. Uh, but going to that thing last night might have been helpful in the healing process and the grieving process. And I might have met some nice people that, you know, interesting, intelligent people that appreciate Tom Petty's music and realize that he wasn't just a hit songwriter, that his songs are way beyond that. And there's all kinds of songs of his that were not hits on the radio. If you just listen to a full record of his from beginning to end, you hear all kinds of songs that... Uh, are not top 40 hits. They are interesting, beautiful songs. Um, thanks for listening. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kring in Seattle, and I think I want to just publicly say to Great Spirit, to Higher Self, um, I used to do a public access TV show on in Seattle from 96 to 20. 2011 or when did I stop? I don't know. I did it for 15 years every week and I feel like my uh, video performance art was kind of a cry for help but it was also kind of a uh, a video diary to God or to, I'm not religious so I don't believe in God like a man in the sky but I believe in spirit. I believe in great spirit and um, I love Tori Amos and I'm going to see her tonight. She's a very spiritual musician and in an earthy spiritual kind of way intuitively. Um, what was I going to say? 
I might write her a letter and give it to her at the meet and greet because I've done meet and greet a few times. But to be honest with you, it's always really kind of stressful meeting her because there's all these fans, including me. And there's a sort of fanatical energy of, you know, famous people and fans. And it's kind of like a creepy energy. And um, if I see it from a higher perspective, we're all souls with hearts and minds and bodies. And we're all here together on this earth. And life is hard. And life is also wonderful and a, and a miracle. I am like... I don't want to pay for parking, and I live kind of near downtown, so if I go down there today for meet and greet, and the weather's kind of icky, it's not raining right now, but it might later, and it's uh, windy and cold, and um, I'm sitting here with my kitty, <sighs> and so I'm trying to decide if I really want to go to meet and greet and give Tori a letter, or if I just want to publicly blog about how I feel and just publish that online. I think that's kind of my way of speaking out. Um I just wanted to thank Tori. I love her her new album, Native Invader, and I especially love the songs Bats, Bang, Climb, Broken Arrow. I like all the songs on the new album, really. They're all good songs. They're all interesting, smart lyrics, uh, fun, interesting words, the way she pronounces words. I just enjoy all of that sonic sculpture that she creates. And if I see her in person today, I was going to give her a letter, just thanking her about different things and... I've never given her a letter before when I've met her because, you know, she only has about 30 seconds with each person or a minute or something at the most because they need to get in there and do their sound check and plan the set list for the night. So um, basically just wanted to thank her for her strength and her tell her that her and Tom Petty are my favorite songwriters, male and female, and thank her for doing Free Fallen by Tom Petty and would love to hear any other Tom Petty songs, but I don't know what would be good for her to play because my favorite Tom Petty songs are the more obscure songs that are not hits uh, that the audience would not recognize unless they are hardcore Tom Petty fans like me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I also write my own poetry, though, and do a radio show, so maybe it would be better if I just focused on that and took care of myself, and I'm sitting here with my cat, and I just fed him his raw meat diet, and I'm also a little bit upset because I just read um, a Facebook friend of mine has a toe infection and the doctor gave him antibiotics, which is fine, but he said it's not getting better. And I know that sometimes antibiotics do more harm than good. Uh, one time I was very ill and I took antibiotics and I immediately got better and I'm very grateful. Uh, but if you overtake antibiotics, it can harm you because it kills all of the good bacteria along with the bad bacteria. And it's good to kill bad bacteria, but if you kill too much of the good bacteria, it actually weakens your immune system. And um, good bacteria helps fight bad bacteria. So if you kill all the bacteria, it weakens the body. It's not natural to be sterile as a human. So we do need bacteria in the world, but obviously we don't want the icky kind that makes us sick. So, And from time to time, all of us have bad bacteria in our bodies. But if the good bacteria is plentiful enough, it fights the bad and it stays in balance. So, And there's also good things about bacteria. They're not 100% bad. So I'm into this whole concept of non-duality. 
so many thoughts in my head right now. Charles Manson dying and Tom Petty dying. You know, Tom Petty is a hero. Charles Manson is a villain. And there are extreme examples of humans who Tom Petty did very, very positive things with his life. Charles Manson did very, very negative things with his life. It's like, whoa, what a dramatic comparison between those two. Thanks for listening. I'm rambling. Have a good day. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and tonight I see Tori Amos live here in Seattle, and I'm not sure if I'm going to go to the meet and greet or not. I've given her hand-painted shoes. She wore them on stage in 1996 at the Paramount Theater, thanked me from the stage. I've met her a few other times, requested Tom Petty. Um, now that Tom Petty's passed away, I might say something to her if I meet her today. She's generous enough to meet people actually before sound check at times. Um, she usually does it to just say hello and get a photo with somebody and or if they want and or she likes it when we request songs, whether they're her songs or cover songs. And I requested Tom Petty a, a few years ago and now that he passed away and she's done Free Fallen a couple times, although Free Fallen is not really my favorite song to, to hear covered. I'd rather hear like Refugee or Don't Come Around Here No More, or actually I'd rather hear like his obscure songs like A Face in the Crowd, but I know she wouldn't cover something that nobody would recognize. But um, <laughs> but no, I just love Tori Amos's music. Her new album is called Native Invader, and uh, my new radio show was on yesterday. I'm going to upload it, episode number five, music only. I just feel a little weird today, a little disoriented. I had... um. Thanksgiving at my mom's with my boyfriend yesterday. We drove to Whidbey Island from Seattle, and then we got uh, artesian well water on the way back. My boyfriend um, helped me bring my water bottles there. He, he doesn't do it. It's too much effort for him, so he just drinks regular tap water, filtered. But I really love um, the natural water from the earth, so happy that I can drink that. I just feel a little disoriented and strange today, and uh, I'm going to see Tori tonight at, I think the show is at 8, doors open at 7 at the Paramount Theater in Seattle. This is like probably the 10th or 12th time. I don't know. I've seen her off and on since 1992. I think I've seen her on almost every tour since 92, maybe not every one, but um, I just love her music, and but the older I get, I'm 49 now, the older I get, the more I think, God, I'd rather just um, listen to really high-quality CDs of music and watch high-quality videos and live concert footage. I think going to shows is not as fun for me as it used to be. It's just people screaming, and when fans really scream, I love you to the artist, it really drives me nuts because it's like, okay, that's great. If she's done singing, go ahead and scream, I love you, and clap. But when she starts singing, please shut up and listen. <laughs> that's how I feel. So I'm not really into screaming for famous musicians on stage. <clears throat> I'm into listening to their actual music. So I guess I really just love the music and not all the fanaticism around famous people. So, um, And Tom Petty passed away, and I'm really sad about it. And Tom Petty and Tori Amos are my two favorite musical songwriter composers, and I think they're both great songwriters, and they're very different, but I connect a lot of the dots between the two of them. They're both part Native American, they're both very Southern, they're both prolific songwriters, they're both highly spiritual individuals in their own um, earthy, intuitive kind of way, and I just really... I think their music is both both of them as songwriters are extremely powerful creators and um all good songwriters are 
Uh, I also love Neil Young and Bob Dylan and um, among others and lots of other musicians as well. But those are my favorite, some of my favorites off the top of my head right now. Heather Nova is also great. Jesse Sykes, Rafe Perlman, Jason Webley. Those are lesser known uh, people. Um, okay, just wanted to share how I'm doing today and I'm going to upload episode number five. I will link my podcast page to this. I do a, um, a radio show every week and I used to do a podcast every week that was monologues and poetry and music that I created, all my own copyright. For 49 weeks I did that and it's all archived on Mixcloud. And then I also have on also on uh um, YouTube with my visual art as a slideshow and you can listen to me and then my all of my audio has been archived on Mixcloud <clears throat> for music only radio shows the fifth one to be added today and 49 60 minute uh, podcasts called Goddess Kring it's all called Goddess Kring I'm also mostly a visual artist and I make my living as a full-time freelance art model and medical model and my voice is really dry I think I need to uh, drink some more coffee and manuka honey. Have a good day, everyone. Hey, this is Shannon Kringen, Goddess Kringen, Seattle, and I wanted to talk about something else about uh, nutrition. And I am not a very mainstream person in some ways. Like, uh, I, the way I eat is alternative and based on uh, naturopathic uh, nutritional philosophies and natural medicine and herbal medicine. And I recently transitioned off of taking Wellbutrin. I did it very slowly for depression and anxiety. I um, very slowly tapered off in the way that they told me to, which is take a pill every other day and then take an even smaller pill every other day and then you can stop and the only risk is you could have a seizure but i don't i'm not prone to seizures and i was taking a very low dose of wellbutrin anyway which increases dopamine in your brain apparently more than serotonin uh but i i take ashwagandha and i've been taking ashwagandha off and on for years and now i'm stepping it up and taking two per day i could take up to 3 or even 6 a day i think but i'm taking two a day right now might take three a day. Ashwagandha is an Ayurvedic herb from India called Indian ginseng, and it smells really good to me, and it's kind of um, an adaptogen herb with no side effects, unless you're allergic to it, but I'm not. I don't have any, any negative response to it. Um, but it's supposed to be good for your immune system and good for your adrenal glands, and it has antioxidants. It basically, it's nutritious. When you eat ashwagandha herb, it's good for many different things. Look it up, ashwagandha, uh, online. And I'll spell it in this entry um, so you can look up the ashwagandha herb. But I found out about it years ago, and I did it be partly because of my thyroid. I stopped eating wheat and gluten, and it helped my thyroid, and I lost weight. And also for my mood swings, my anxiety, my depression, and my stress levels. And I found out recently, too, that it might be my adrenal glands that are doing something out of balance that's affecting my thyroid more than it's that I have an actual thyroid problem. So the whole body basically works together. There's a Dr. John Bergman online that I admire and watch nutritious, nutrition videos of and health in the body. And then there's Dr. Karen Becker, who's a vet who I listen to. And that's what I wanted to talk about is that my cat is thriving and I switched him to a raw meat diet um, about a year ago at the beginning of 2017, basically, or around Christmas time of 2016. So it's been almost about a year. 
and he is thriving. He had some issues. The vet thought he might be diabetic. It turns out he's not. I immediately switched him. I had a blood test. Uh, he got a blood test, and his liver and kidneys are just fine. I was worried about that, but they're fine. So then I felt like it was safe for me to switch him to a raw meat diet because I followed the advice online of Dr. Karen Becker. My vet did not say feed raw diet. A lot of uh, vets are not educated about how the safe, healthy way to feed raw meat to your pet is, but Dr. Karen Becker online is. So I basically listened to lots of her videos, and I went to the health food pet food store, and I recently, I feed my cat um, raw liver, raw chicken liver organic and raw chicken hearts organic and I slice them up and those are really potent and strong full of vitamins and minerals and taurine in the chicken hearts and liver chicken liver has lots of uh, vitamins and minerals and I just give him a little bit of that because that's real strong and I mostly feed him raw meat that's made at the pet food store specifically in a formula that's ground up with organ meats and muscle meats, you need a certain percentage of muscle meats and organ meats. And I've added bone broth at the vet at the health food pet store last night. I saw something new I'd never seen before, which is bone broth soup that's frozen in a container. And I might uh, look into making some myself because it would be less expensive. But and I could even eat some of it too. I'm mostly vegetarian, but I eat occasional meat and get vitamins and minerals from, from meat products um, occasionally, organic and raw dairy occasionally, like raw milk cheese. Costco has two kinds of cheese that are made with raw milk. In the United States, a lot of people are afraid of raw dairy, but I'm not. In France and Switzerland, they still make cheese with raw milk, which is a lot healthier for you than pasteurized milk because it has the good raw live en enzymes in it, and it's easier for you to digest. So I feed my cat raw meat formulated in a balance of muscle meat, bones, and um, organ meat, and I added bone broth soup to his, his nutrition, and he loves it. I'll talk more about that in the next post.